When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, big congratulations to the National League playoff participant, New York Mets. They won 101 games. They led the NL East for almost the entire season, and uh, they have now ended their postseason after a short three-game series with the Padres. So congratulations to the Mets on a great season. I just wanted to start with that. They got uh, one hit by Joe Musgrove. Yes, they did. Joe Musgrove and whatever allegedly foreign substance was on his ears, it turns out. Uh, turns out the Umps didn't find anything. So, mm-hmm. Buck Walter, gamesmanship or not, man, that's a rough look. Mets as hell. Good on him. Uh, Mike, week six recap. It was a busy week in the ACC. Um, it was. Kind of some interesting outcomes here, I felt like, in, in kind of a, a few different ways. Let's start with, I think, the, the biggest one, the most interesting, exciting game that happened uh number 14 nc state 19 florida state 17 Um, this game was a defensive struggle to say the least nc state's offense so i'll I'll say this devin leary goes out late in the third quarter with an injury he's found on the sideline with like a his arm in a sling basically does not look great Um, i think he's got like a shoulder thing maybe um not a good situation for them but even with him in the game um NC State's offense is struggling a little bit, and, and I mean, yeah, get, it is. We can give some credit to Florida State's defense here, but this NC State offense, you know, it's like Thayer Thomas and not a whole lot else coming from the skill positions. They're they're struggling to get any sort of explosive plays out of this this group right now. I mean, this is a week over week issue now for NC State in the passing game. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned it on College Game Day yesterday morning. Um, you know, he was like, you know what, I because. Herb Street, of course, called the game between NC State and Clemson last Saturday, and he said, mm-hmm. you know what, I, I expected more out of Devin Leary in the NC State offense this year. Mm-hmm. And he said, kind of seeing him in person, you know, he had watched their games, obviously, prepping for it, and, you know, he follows all the all the college games, of course. But he mentioned that, you know, he expected more out of the NC State offense, and you know what, so did we. Yeah. So did we. And we still haven't really seen... I think kind of what NC State was supposed to be offensively. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've necessarily panned out the way that I think a lot of us have expected. Now, you know, from a wins loss standpoint, you know, a wins and losses standpoint, NC State is still very good. You mm-hmm. know, they're the team I think that we all expected them to be from a wins and losses standpoint. But you know, they're doing it in a different way, right? Like defensively, they've been probably even more solid than I thought they would be. You know, coming into the year, you know, we knew they had a good front seven, a really good linebacking core, but I think defensively they've been better than I think I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. And offensively, you know, while they've struggled, they've done enough to get by. Now, Saturday is the prime example of doing enough to get by because NC State was trailing at halftime of this game. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, Devin Leary exited the game. At first, it looked like a head injury, uh, ended up being a shoulder deal. Um, you know, I. I had a few different games on and I saw on Twitter, they're like, Oh, Devin Leary out with a head injury. So I immediately like went and looked and saw that, you know, he kind of was curled up on the sideline a little bit and, um, ended up, you know, like you mentioned with his arm in a sling when they showed him later. So it looks like a shoulder injury, you know, that's not great for NC state, obviously not good. Mm-hmm. Um, NC state was in a position of course, uh, with Jack Chambers coming into the game, former walk-on. I mean, he made some plays in the running game. I, the stats don't jump off the page, but if you watch the game, you know, he he picked up and converted a couple of key third downs mm-hmm. in the running game. They were losing um, when he came you know, in. They were, um, and, and he did enough offensively to provide them some stability at the quarterback position in a really, really tough spot. So former walk-on coming in, didn't complete a pass, but had 39 yards rushing and commanded the offense in a way that needed to be commanded with mm-hmm. you know them losing a game against a good Florida State team. Like 
don't want to take anything away from NC State. This is a good Florida State team they just beat on Saturday. And yep. finding a way to win when you lose your starting quarterback is like definition of winning your clunkers, right? Like yeah. that's exactly what you need to do. And, you know, to get this game at home, I think was crucial because I think if they were going on the road um, without Devin Leary or Devin Leary exiting the game, I think maybe we're looking at a different outcome here, but I, this really, uh, we're kind of skirting around the final drive where Jordan Travis throws yeah. the abhorrent interception and Florida state's in field goal range, or at least on the cusp of field goal range. And, we're all wondering why they're not running the ball. And, you know, everybody was bagging on, on Jordan Travis, you know, how, Oh my God, it was a terrible throw. It was this, it was that it was pretty clear. There was some miscommunication between he and the receiver there. Um, Jordan you know, Travis they were kind of, he should have been put in that position to make that throw to begin with. Like, I agree. I agree. I it don't was a play calling thing. Yeah. That was a dangerous, dangerous throw. Like you should be making high percentage throws at that point. If anything, you should not be right. throwing it up into double coverage, you know, whatever it was, and it just sort of fell into an NC State defender's lap. Yeah, it was just kind of lobbed into the kind of the front corner of the end zone there. Um, on the far and it side was clear the there was miscommunication on the far side of the field. It made no sense. Like the, mm-hmm. the play call didn't make any sense. The throw didn't make any sense. The receiver ran a different route than I think Travis thought he would be running. You know, not, not to put, I forget who the receiver was there on that play. Um, but regardless, like, I don't know whose fault it was, but ultimately I'm putting it on the Florida State offensive coaching staff or even putting it in the air at that point. I Mm -hmm. think when you're, again, Travis has been great all year. I've been beating the drum for Jordan Travis as, you know, I don't think he's going to win ACC player of the year, but I was making kind of that that was a beginning of the year that was a shtick and now it was like kind of a thing because he was playing so well i didn't think it was and a shtick for what that's worth i mean i thought you were serious. i mean he's been he's been, well i mean i said after they played duquesne one by like a thousand you know it's like it's like oh yeah jordan travis player of the year it was like week zero they're being duquesne by a million um yeah it's definitely ACC time to call your shot right exactly exactly the, the only acc player right only acc team playing there mm-hmm. um yeah, but that that was a uh, unfortunate series of events there for Florida State on Saturday night. I will say that. And credit to NC State. I mean, they they you know pulled out the win here again. They're five and one. They're they're ranked. And like you said, I mean, we can talk about you know what does it look like aesthetically, and and how do I you know do I feel like this is going to be sustainable moving forward, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, again, they're winning games and. Uh, other than me saying preseason, I thought they would beat Clemson and, and kind of losing in a heartbreaking fashion there last week. Um, they're pretty much right where we thought they would be. And so, you know, everything's still in front of them and on the table. They don't, I don't guess you can control your own destiny until Clemson loses. Um, and, and they would need to lose twice, I guess, at this point. But um, otherwise, I mean, y- you could still be in line for like a New Year's Six Bowl if you win out here. Um, and you could still have a really good season. And so... Um, again, this is a really veteran-heavy team, um, a, a team that I, I think a lot of guys came back that didn't have to um, and, and in interest of seeing what they could do together. And so um, right. I, I'm excited to kind of see where they go from here. Offensively, though, I mean, and this is the thing I wanted to point out, and this is the thing that, that bothers me a little bit, is that NC State did have three straight drives in kind of the se- in the second half that ended in field goals. Um, right. And those were the three drives that gave him the lead that gave him the win, for what that's worth. So, again, scored more points than Florida State. You won the game. Like, I can only criticize so much. But what I'm saying is you kicked field goals on drives where you snapped the ball from Florida State's 25-yard line, Florida State's 13-yard line, and Florida State's 8-yard line. Like, those those are three separate drives where you got that far into Florida State territory and you couldn't get in the end zone. And yeah, um, that's that's the thing I would be concerned about moving forward, especially I, I don't know what the status is. I haven't seen an update on Devin Leary. Um, if he can't go and Jack Chambers is going to be the guy, this offense is going to look different because somebody pointed out that Jack Chambers comes into this game late in the third quarter uh, in, in replacing Devin Leary and finishes the game with fewer completed passes than Thayer Thomas had. Uh, Thayer Thomas, yeah, not great. Thayer Thomas completed a pass. They lost five yards. Jack Chambers went 0 for 1 passing. Otherwise, it was just straight run plays for NC State. So 
uh, we'll see how this translates moving forward. But again, congrats to the Wolfpack on getting the win here in their five and one and, and ranked and in the middle of what is you know looking like a pretty good season so far. And I haven't gone back to look. I haven't had a chance today to see what the post game win expectancy was for NC State. It couldn't have been very high considering the red zone struggles they had. It, mm-hmm. it just it couldn't have been. So I would guess, and not having again not having looked at it or calculated it or anything like that. Um, I would guess this is pretty toss-up-y. This is, this is pretty accurate of like yeah. a, a two-point game. Agree. And credit to Florida State for covering two and a half here, by the way. Gross. Yeah, uh-huh. Gr- yeah, real gross. And <laughs> by the way, like Florida State, I know we talked about how NC State has everything you know in front of them. For Florida State, like I mentioned this on the preview, this is kind of a really tough stretch they're in here in October where they're playing like some tough competition, but they've looked... I mean, they've looked pretty good. I know their defense didn't play well against Wake Forest, but I think they've kind of like looked the part of a team that is definitely on the ascent in the ACC compared to where they've been. Like my opinion of Florida State doesn't really change based off of a tough road loss against a good NC State team. Mm -hmm. I I still feel pretty good about where Florida State's at, where they're heading under Norvell. Yep, yep. Uh, Mike, anything else before we move on? Nah, they're good. NC State 19, Florida State 17. Let's go to South Beach or Coral Gables, or Miami Gardens, or wherever. North Carolina, 27. Miami, 24. Mike, if I, hmm. I, I know that you know the answer to this, but if I said over under 950 yards of offense in a game where these two teams combined for 51 points, what would you say? <laughs> the answer would be over, Joey. Technically, it would be. Yeah, these teams combined for 1,008 yards of offense in a game where neither of them scored 30 points. Um, this was an absolute clinic in what not to do in the red zone. It was turnovers. It was missed field goals. It was turnovers on downs. It was a disaster of people trying to actually finish drives. But, boy, they, they got to the position to finish those drives. They just never got that done, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, this was a total disaster for both teams, really, but mm-hmm. especially Miami. Um Miami's in this weird spot now where they were supposed to be like the slam dunk pick to win the coastal and now they like can't stop anybody. I mean, they're getting to the point where everybody, you know, North Carolina was the easy target because they were playing on national TV multiple weeks in a row the first few weeks of the year. Um, they were kind of the easy target with how poorly they were playing on the defensive side of the ball, but now Miami has lost three straight games. The A&M game, you know, on the road is is a tough loss where neither team could score. But you give up 45 to Middle Tennessee State, and you probably should have given up more points to North Carolina, quite frankly. Um, you know, you surrender over 500 yards of offense in this football game. Miami's defense is in a really rough way right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and offensively, they're not executing well enough and consistently enough to kind of fill the void, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, if the defense is going to be playing as poorly as it is, like the offense needs to pick up the slack, right? We've talked about that with North Carolina all year. Miami's offense is not operating the way that North Carolina's offense is operating right now, where North Carolina can overcome poor defensive performances because Drake May is having an all ACC type season as a freshman. Miami's not having that right now. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have that kind of offense, you know, consistently enough. Do, do they have some explosive plays? Sure, they do. They're kind of struggling with finding consistent explosive plays in the passing game. And then for whatever reason in this game, they couldn't run the ball at all. Mm-hmm. Um, As Tyler Van Dyke you know, throws for almost 500 yards. Like, what? Yeah, everybody came out of the Middle Tennessee State game concerned about Tyler Van Dyke, and he throws for nearly 500 yards in this game, and they still found a way to lose. Mm-hmm. So just not a great look for Miami here. I, I, you know, I know a late field goal ended up pushing Carolina over the top, and Miami was driving to try to put themselves in position late in this game, and... Uh, they end up throwing an interception. Van Dyke throws an interception late, but this is just not a this is just not a good look for Mario Cristobal in year one. And it's yeah. going to take some time, but I do feel like they had the talent there to be much better than two and three through five games. I would completely agree. Yeah, this is you, you understand when it's a bit of a reset year, and you know, not quite a year zero situation, maybe. But again, new staff, things to get used to. It's going to be a little bit clunky to, to begin with, but. Yeah, Miami not not really meeting expectations so far. I, I and I don't think I would be uh, really surprising a Miami fan to be saying that. Like Miami fans would probably tell you at the very least they're not meeting expectations, if not 
some other crazy message board stuff about firing somebody and who cares what the buyout is and you know right yada 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 so uh, not the best look for Miami uh, Drake may consistent here but again I mean a couple interceptions both these teams I just it's incredible to me how like how you rack up all these yards and move the ball this well and then just barely barely turn it into any points at all it's just incredible to me um it's it's pretty impressive it's impressively bad i mean it's just impressive it's if it was a comedy of errors in the red zone yeah they had 13 points combined in the second half like <laughs> it was 21 17 at halftime and the game finished 27 24 like just outstanding. What, what was the what was the game total on this again do you have that in front of you uh i could pull it up here I, did, did this game Caesars, go over it was like 67 and a half so the answer is no. That is sickening. That is sickening. Pretty gross. You have over a thousand yards of offense, and the game doesn't go over. You got to be sick if you're yep. holding an over card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, North Carolina is five and one, um, and if I'm not mistaken, are they ranked in the new AP polls we record here on on Sunday night? Um, let me pull this up. This is good podcasting. I feel like they are. No, nope. They are twenty. I don't believe they are. They're 26th. Yeah. They are the most also receiving votes. They are 25th in the coaches' poll. Is North uh, Carolina the worst five and one team in the country? I love playing this game. <laughs> I do this. I do this on social media with Syracuse. You know, Syracuse is the worst five and zero team in the country. Uh, it is quite possible, and we can try to go through this real quick. Um, North Carolina, better or worse than Tulane? Uh, probably better. Better or worse than NC State or Wake Forest? Worse than both, <laughs> definitively. Kansas State. I'm gonna Kansas go worse. State was looking iffy. I'm going to go worse. Yeah, I'm going to go worse. Illinois, I'm going worse. I mean, Illinois is a wagon. Continue. <laughs> Liberty? De- defensively, defensively, defensively only. Yes. Uh, probably better than Liberty. Yes. Okay. All so right. that's two teams. Uh, let's see. Oregon? Uh, no, they're, they're not better than Oregon. Mississippi State? No. And... Five and O James Madison. Uh, <laughs> um, I, don't I mean, know. five and O and five and O and number twenty-five James Madison. I don't know. So, I think there's a couple of ACC teams about to get to know James Madison here over the next month or so. We'll see. How yeah, probably going to lose. Yeah, probably going to lose them. By the way, James mm-hmm. Madison is going to go like ten and two, and they're not eligible for postseason at all because they're a first-year FBS program. Isn't that sick? I was going to say James Madison would go like seven and five, eight and four in the ACC this year. I think <laughs> this is, I mean, a, an absolutely flawless transition to the FBS. Mm-hmm. Really impressive. Best team in Virginia. North Carolina twenty-seven, Miami twenty-four. Um, again, North Carolina wins and continues winning. Miami loses and continues losing. But I'm not sure that I was particularly impressed with either team, and, and I don't know that either fan base is like really, really happy with where they're at. Even North Carolina being five and one, I think there's still a kind of a sense of skepticism. But if you're a Carolina fan listening to this and you are uh, really stoked about your team, um, please contact our customer service line at Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go do that. Light it up. <laughs> I had I had some Virginia Tech football players lighting up my DMs over the weekend. We'll get Uh-oh. to that shortly. Uh-oh. We'll get to that shortly. Continue. We will, we will get there. All right. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech twenty three, Duke twenty in overtime. Why not? Why not? Speaking of, by the way, this is I, this is a really funny thing. I, I'm gonna just totally just jack this from uh cover three podcast go listen to them they're, they're a lot of fun to listen to but the question was posed on the recap last night from cover three who finishes the year with more acc wins mario cristobal or brent key <laughs> and if you look at the schedule ahead of georgia tech it might come down to the georgia tech miami game honestly uh, can't wait georgia tech is now two and zero under brent key um, I made the comment afterwards, Duke did not play their best game. It did not help at all that they didn't have Jalen Calhoun. But Riley Leonard, I mean, Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award nominee here, 20 of 41 for 136 yards. Averaged, He's been better. Averaged a shade over three yards an attempt in this game. Not he good. Has been, he has been better. Yeah, once again, no Jalen Calhoun here. But I made the point talking to somebody between this and the Pittsburgh game last week. It's like, this is the second straight week I've seen Georgia tech play against a team where they were clearly not having their best day. 
And I'm starting to wonder if there's something to that, if that's not just a coincidence, um, if that might be a bit of a Georgia Tech's defense isn't terrible kind of situation. I don't know what it is, but Jeff Sims, I thought, played pretty well in this game. His ability to contribute in the run game is huge, and he's starting to show a sense of toughness, and um, you know he'll fight for those extra yards instead of stepping out of bounds short of the sticks, things like that. Um, I, I was pretty impressed with Georgia Tech in this game. Duke comes back, and they score 14 points in the fourth quarter. They had a punt return for a touchdown um, that was kind of frustrating to watch, and then a, a final drive aided by a couple of questionable penalties that got him into the end zone with about 10 seconds left to send the game to overtime. And then it felt like there was a little bit of a ball don't lie moment when Duke then got a really pretty questionable penalty in overtime that pushed them back and, and set them up for a long field goal that they missed to, uh, to end the game. But um, I don't know. Again, Georgia Tech wins again. They are three and three, which in a lot of ways kind of where we thought they might be just – in the strangest way that they've gotten here. Um, I, I, am, I continue to be impressed with the way that this team is playing under Brent Key. I think there is a chance, there is an outside chance at this point, Mike, that Georgia Tech is going to go bowling. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm going to float something to you mm-hmm. again because when it happens, I just want to have it on record on multiple podcasts. I've been beating this drum for Georgia tech, permanent head coach, take the interim tag off Georgia tech, permanent head coach, Brent key. And I've been beating this drum now for a bit. And at first it started as a joke, no longer a joke. So <laughs> there are, I am going to, there are to worse stick with ideas. It. There are worse. Yeah, ideas. You could, yeah. You could hire Jeff Collins again. <laughs> that, that's, that's the worst idea. Um, I had a couple of tweets it's, that have just continued lighting my phone up every four minutes since the middle of the game yesterday all the way through now um, about how Jeff Collins is probably never going to get another head coaching job with how much better Georgia Tech has gotten the moment that he left the building. Who gets a head coaching job first, Justin Fuente or Jeff Collins? Uh, Fuente. Fuente. He'll get something oh, down in, uh, I don't know. He might get uh, um, Lamar or like an FCS team in like Texas. He'll probably get that. Jeff Collins, par I, for the course. Jeff Collins might be doing something other than sports after this. I, oh, I don't okay, know, man, like pretty rough. Um, yeah, he's going to be the poster child for like one of those new NCAA commercials. <laughs> Brent Key, I will say, it's not all roses with him. Um, there were definitely a couple of moments of game management here where he was quote unquote managing the game like an offensive line coach, and that is not a compliment. Um, Georgia Tech punted. I believe from Duke's 36 yard line on fourth and one with like a minute left until halftime, which is all pretty unforgivable in my mind. Like if you go for it, you don't get it. Like, and by the way, the punt went straight into the end zone. Like it wasn't even close to being something they could have pinned him at the one or something straight in the end zone. So by doing that, you gain 16 yards of field, uh, field position, like ridiculous. Um, there was that. They did a really poor job, I thought, of um, in their final two drives on offense and regulation. They did a horrendous job of like bleeding the clock to try to leave Duke as little time as possible, um, snapping the ball with 15, 20 seconds on the play clock pretty much every play. So there are things like that that's like, you know, maybe that's something you just sort of learn as a head coach over time, but concerning trends to point out right now. But, but yep. in general, yes, uh, not the worst idea I've heard. I have heard worse ideas, even as it relates to this particular coaching search, in articles on websites with very well-renowned names. Like, yeah, would I rather yep. have Brent Key or Bill O'Brien as my head coach? I'd rather have Brent Key every time. Uh, are you sure you don't want like another Temple coach? <laughs> uh, definitely not Temple. Okay, no. <laughs> You don't want to go back to that well? <laughs> Didn't really work the first time. Didn't work for Miami either. So, Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, some could argue Miami would have been better off this year with Manny Diaz and Mario Cristobal at this point. Non-zero and chance that's the case. It's, it's, it sounds hysterical until you think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of joking, kinda but, also most, but also mostly not. Yeah, mostly not. Georgia Tech is three and three. They will play Virginia in two weeks on the twentieth. Is that a Thursday or a Friday? I can't remember. Um, the twentieth, sir, is a 
The twentieth is a Thursday. I should know this. My wife's birthday is the twenty first. So, all right, good. Well, your Game wife's on. birthday is <laughs> your wife's birthday is a week from this coming Friday. So, hmm. it's so just good reminder. Get prepared. Yes, good very reminder. good. <laughs> yeah, wait, wake up, wake up hungover, oh, honey. Yeah. I knew I wouldn't forget your birthday this year because Ooh, Georgia uh, Tech plays Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, that's right. Friday uh, morning, you're hurling. They they play Virginia in two weeks. They're going to be favored in that game. Georgia Tech will. Oh, Virginia is. We'll get to them in a minute. Mm-hmm. Going to going to Tallahassee after that, they're going to lose that game most likely. But then at Virginia Tech, home against Miami, like which of those teams can't they beat right now? They might be favored in Blacksburg, but the way things are going. Honestly. Oh no, they'll they'll be they'll be favored in Blacksburg. Yeah, they'll absolutely be favored in Blacksburg. And then speaking of, te- speaking of teams that are bad, <laughs> we will get to them in just a moment. Um, so, anyways, I, I was impressed with Georgia Tech. I, I, you know, Duke's a good team still. I, I don't think they had their best day in this game. They are a well-coached team. They did lose uh, Shaka Hayward at the very end of the second uh, the second quarter to a targeting ejection, and I think that made a difference. Um, Georgia Tech scored a touchdown coming right out of halftime pretty quickly, um, so that was good. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still think Duke's a pretty good team. They're going to win a number of games, but um, it's just really weird looking at the standings right now and seeing That's, Georgia Tech is a half a game behind North Carolina for the division lead in the Coastal Division right now. Yeah, I uh, know. It's it's wild. I mean, hey, Duke's 4-2, and two, and I mean, they got a tough schedule the rest of the way, but mm-hmm. uh, they have games against Boston College and Virginia Tech, and they'll be favored in both of those, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, there's a pretty decent chance that Boston College will be at least at five wins. And if I was a betting man, I would consider betting on Duke to make a bowl game at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. I, I suspect that they will. Uh, oh, also, I mean, they, they still play Pittsburgh, too, and Pittsburgh is a terrible football team also. <laughs> we'll get to, I'll, I'll explain more shortly. Which, yeah, we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Uh, Mike, we will get there... Let's do that after we uh, we remind people that Georgia Tech won 23-20 to over Duke. That recap brought to you by Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for all sorts of wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. It is good-looking. It is comfortable. It is high quality. Um, I, I wore mine yesterday. I think it was some Section 103 magic that helped Georgia Tech win that game. I saw a number of posts of people around Bobby Dodd Stadium and, and cheering from home wearing their Section 103. It is It is really good stuff. Um, t-shirts sweatshirts hoodies the official tech gold the official word marks uh, the atl logo is available there a couple specialty shirts for some of the different sports Uh, i know volleyball baseball uh, basketball i know that they have some some specialty shirts there they've got some stickers and keep an eye on their social media too at section 103 on twitter or on instagram Uh, they have uh, started to make a habit out of following up georgia tech wins with a good sale so if you're looking for something, this is a two, two wins in a row for Georgia Tech meant buy two items, they ship free. Uh, so keep an eye out on Section 103's social media as well. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order at section103.com. I have a number of their things. Uh, my wife loves their shirts and their hoodies. They're incredibly soft and, and comfortable. So as the weather cools off, you're going to need something to help support Georgia Tech. And to keep you warm, go to section103.com and use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Mike, you mentioned Pittsburgh's a bad football team. They beat Virginia Tech 45-29 to in this game. I will just I will throw this out there as part of the news hit that I feel like we need to do. Izzy Abanaconda, 36 carries for 320 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, he broke the single-game record at Pittsburgh for rushing yards in a game held by some dude named Tony Dorsett. Uh, I believe Hashtag some guy named Tony Dorsett. Yeah, and I believe he is the first to go for 300 yards on the ground and six touchdowns since some guy named Ricky Williams, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that seems like decent company, but I haven't really checked the record books to see you know who those guys are or what they did. So who's to say? So Pat Narduzzi is totally vindicated in his firing of Mark Whipple, correct? Uh, I mean, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not is the answer, Joey. Come on now, absolutely not. Um, just poor. Go ahead. I'm just blown. I can't figure out. And I texted you this. How did Virginia Tech score 29 points in this game and fail to cover 14 and a half? What on earth happened in this game, Mike? 
I told you this game would get weird where like the game would go over. It just got like I mean they like doubled the total here. Okay, I this is uh, no semblance of defense and Virginia Tech is kind of ass up front. Mm-hmm. And that was a concern I had coming into the year and then Virginia Tech didn't really play any good offensive lines like the first four games of the year and then they started to play like real offensive lines after that and now it's not going very well for them Mm -hmm. so surprise surprise like i think the defense joey is fine i don't think they're great certainly they were really bad yesterday tackling wise you know Mm -hmm. in the front seven front seven had a rough day i don't think this is like an awful virginia tech defense i think they're okay I don't think they're really good. I don't think they're as bad necessarily as I showed yesterday. I just think they're okay. The offense took some strides yesterday, which is encouraging, right? Like mm-hmm. scoring, actually scoring points was nice to see. And, you know, Grant Wells made some big time throws. Again, his passing numbers weren't great. You know, 25 of 47 passing is not, you know, the greatest numbers in the world. But he did throw for 277 yards, and he had a couple of really nice throws. had a gr- had a good touchdown pass as well um, to uh, Dewan Lofton. So, and, and Virginia Tech, you know, they got Malachi Thomas back, and he looked pretty good. He had 15 carries for 84 yards, and getting the ball in his hands really helped them out in the second half of last year. So, you know, I, I think Virginia Tech found a little something in the running game in this game. Uh, but defensively, I mean, you got to tackle literally the only guy on Pitt's offense that can really hurt you, right? And Virginia Tech literally couldn't do it, and that's really frustrating as an alum. Now, real quick, I tweeted during the game, Virginia Tech uh, was, was down 31-29, to and they had just scored a touchdown, and they were going for two. And Pitt's defensive line was roasting Virginia Tech's offensive tackles all game. Like Silas Janzi and Parker Clements were terrible yesterday and so tyler bowen the offense coordinator called a shovel pass on the two-point conversion which i did not hate the play call because of the way that pittsburgh's defensive line was over pursuing pretty much the entire game he calls a shovel pass which i really liked except the shovel pass went to jalen holston a six-year senior who can't really move all that well and silas jancy got blown off the ball again and it kind of got blown up in the backfield i tweeted hey i don't hate the shovel pass call i would have liked for it to have gone to either malachi thomas or Keyshawn king a, a shiftier back given the way the offensive line was playing instead of jalen holston jalen holston direct messages me after the game something along the lines of go f yourself <laughs> um which I, I then I then proceeded to say, oh, okay, we're playing that game. So I posted it on the timeline, and then he deleted his Twitter account. Oh. So <laughs> you narked him out on a DM. I I narked him out on a DM, and he deleted his account, <laughs> and it was it was absolutely hysterical. Speaking of guys, absolutely grow hysterical. Into the other than sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably got look. I, and I like Jalen Holston, man. I I didn't even say anything yesterday that was offensive towards Jalen Holston, but you know he came after me, so I ended his Twitter life. <laughs> That's how this game works, baby. Goodness. I mean, I I don't have F a whole round fi- to add here. I just F around, find out, baby. <laughs> F around, find out. Like. How this works? I was really hoping you were gonna say he messaged you and be like, "Yeah, I don't know why I was in the game for that either." Like, yeah, we should have given it to one of the other I, guys. I don't. I, I wild. Yeah. It's just man, and this is supposed to be one of the leaders of your team, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're worrying, you're worrying about the wrong stuff. Like, <laughs> that wasn't even insulting. I just, you know, thought a shift to your bat should have gotten the ball in that situation. Reading like, his own nothing against you, bro. In a uh, in the wrong way. Well, there's not really one a carry, right way, but one carry for one yard. Yeah, not great. You, so you were, whatever. You were, uh, you were open to any and all criticism at that point when uh, when you're not really producing. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Virginia Tech's defense is playing poorly. This is just the, the month of October is going to go really, really bad for them. This is a bad, bad, bad football team. Luckily for the Hokies, uh, Boston College and UVA are both worse. So. Mm-hmm. That's the only kind of solace they can take. They're like the 12th worst team in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of shook, confused about Pitt's defense giving up 29 points here. Pitt's bad, man. I'm telling you, like any other team that was like halfway competent that could like stop the run, I, 
I don't think Pittsburgh's very good. I think Pittsburgh's like a six-win team. I wonder if this is like a little bit of a hangover from losing to Georgia Tech or something like that. Because they like they have not been that bad, and their defense actually looked pretty good in last week's game against Georgia Tech. Like, I don't know. This this feels like a, uh, we need to keep monitoring here. I don't need to figure out what's going on with Pittsburgh. I mean, they set offense back a thousand years when they play anybody other than Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah. So this is like Pat Narduzzi wanted to do things his way, and I don't. It went well yesterday because it was Virginia Tech. But if mm-hmm. it goes, you know, if they play literally almost anybody else, I don't think it goes as well. So I will say the one thing, and I think we've mentioned this about Virginia Tech before, but um, I don't think that Virginia Tech's offense offensive issues are coaching or scheme related like when you watch them play and you watch the play calling and the game plans and some of those things like they make sense and and you can kind of see what they're trying to do it's mostly an issue of the players just being able to do it which that's not as much this coaching staff's fault and so I you know for something like Pittsburgh who their their defense is pretty well documented of what they are going to do and how they're going to attack you Right. And I think a good coaching staff, there have been examples like the, what was it, the Central Western Michigan game last year, whatever, that they, they lost, and the head coach afterwards was like, yeah, we knew what they are going to do on defense. We knew how to attack them. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a situation like that with Virginia Tech staff kind of knowing what to do and, and being able to come up with the right answer enough times to kind of keep them in the game that way. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm with you. I just, I, I think Virginia Tech will be better like in a year or two. I mm-hmm. think this is going to take some time though. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, and, and especially in the, in the day and age of the transfer portal, I mean, you never know how quickly that might go. And That's true. You get one guy That's that wants true. to transfer in to play quarterback and a couple of skill guys around him and, and an offensive lineman here or there. And like all of a sudden your offense is like a totally different animal. That's on the table. And I think, and I think Brent Pry, like, if he could go back and have a do-over of his first, like, six months on the job, he probably would have hit the portal a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had some injuries and stuff offensively, like not having Malachi Thomas until yesterday. Guy who was a breakout starting running back towards back half of last year, like, that obviously hurts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think he probably would have gone into the portal a little bit harder than he did if he could have a do-over. That's my opinion. Yep. Pittsburgh 45, Virginia Tech 29. Number five, Clemson, 31, Boston College, three. Uh, Boston College, played your asses off. Red bandana game, homecoming, all that. It just, it wasn't enough. It just, and I get that, like, on the scoreboard going into halftime, like, it looked competitive. But watching the game, it didn't really feel competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, BC BC was playing really hard, but there was a clear talent deficiency there, and like it felt like Clemson was just kind of like, okay, do we really need to play this game? Okay, like they, they were just kind of like slogging along, like it wasn't their most efficient effort. But Bit then of a like hangover after the last two weeks, I think so. I mean, you you go and you you play an overtime game against Wake, and then you play a really really tough NC State game at home, and now you got to play. BC and they're not very good and you know you got plenty of talent like remember in the COVID year BC had Clemson on the ropes if you'll remember because Lawrence mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence went out with COVID and that was DJU's first start and then mm-hmm. he started the following week against Notre Dame and I remember BC had Clemson legitimately on the ropes in that football game mm-hmm. and this didn't feel like that at all it, it didn't feel like Clemson was ever really like in trouble here and then you turn around the, in the second half it's 31 to 3 so Clemson's we've talked about this and again not their most efficient performance yesterday but like Clemson offensively you could tell they're starting to find something here mm-hmm. and defensively they had kind of the blip on the radar against Wake Forest where like defensive backs didn't play particularly well but now it's like they're kind of rounding into form a bit where they look like they could, and considering how some of the other top team, other top teams in the country have looked recently, you're telling me like Clemson can't go into a game again. I, I, I think the top three teams in the country, Bama, had some issues yesterday. Then there's Ohio State, and then Georgia keeps screwing around. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's supposed to be these three teams, right? They're the three teams to beat, and then Clemson and everybody else underneath them. I'm starting to think that gap is narrowing a little bit, and well, I want to give some. And I want to, yeah, with, at least with Clemson, I want to give credit to Tom Fornelli of Cover Three because he mentioned that on the recap. He said, "I'm not sure, I'm not sure that the gap is as wide as everybody thinks it is now, between mm-hmm. those top three and everybody else." Yeah. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to come around on that a little bit. Yep, I, I agree with that, um, and and I think certainly of if you look at Clemson versus Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, I, Clemson's getting better. I would say that I think Ohio State's getting better. I'm not sure that yeah. Alabama and Georgia are getting better week over week. Like I don't, I don't think so. You're seeing those teams have issues that have not been popping up in recent, you know, until recent weeks. Like Brett. Clemson decidedly looks better than they did a month ago. Ohio State looks better than they did a month ago, and so right, you project that out over the next two months, basically, you know, and start looking towards the playoff. Things might be a little bit more interesting there in, in December and early January than we thought they would be earlier in the year yeah. um, as, as Clemson continues to build on what they're doing here. Right. Now Alabama apologists will scream, well, they didn't have Bryce Young against A&M. It's like, yeah, but like even in games they had Bryce Young, like they, had 50, they committed 15 penalties against Texas. Like They just haven't looked the part. Hell, Bryce Young's about yeah. half the reason that they won a couple times well, already. Like he's the only reason they won those games. He's he's the only reason they beat Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he willed them to victory in the fourth quarter with how he played. Yep. Um, that was like that was Heisman Bryce Young that showed up in the fourth quarter. So without him, they they lose that game. Yep. So and they got a tough one this coming week. Yep. So. They do. They do. Um, I I do just want to point out too, Boston College again played their asses off in this game, and the effort there it was just it was. It was a spirited effort for sure. It's just absolutely you just didn't didn't have enough to. Uh, to they play hard. Clemson. They play they play hard for Halfley. Yeah. I mean they they definitely play. They haven't quit. Um, you know we've we've kind of been like oh is BC quitting? I don't think they're quitting. You know they beat Louisville and then um, you know they get blown out last night. But they were they were definitely playing hard. Yeah, their schedule down down the rest of the season is, is pretty rough for a team that's currently two and four. At yeah. Wake, at UConn, home against Duke, at NC State, at Notre Dame, home against Syracuse. Um, I, Boston College is not making a bowl game at this point. No, and I don't think so. And it wasn't something that I'd really thought about until we got the email a week or two ago, I think, from Kevin Carpenter. Um, we might need to have a bit of a Jeff Halfley conversation mm-hmm. if, if this is what it's turned into in year three. Um, yep. But we, we can do that and save that for another time. We're starting to get some more data points that suggest that 2020 may have been an aberration, Joey, in a weird COVID year. Oh, you mean in college football sense? I thought because <laughs> 2020 yes. was kind of an aberration in every sense of the of the, of the term. <laughs> I meant in the case of Boston College on the field, <laughs> but yes, also in real life. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, eh, all right. We'll, we'll come back to that. Clemson yes. 31, Boston College three. Uh, Mike, <laughs> reports of Scott Satterfield's demise at Louisville might have been slightly premature. Louisville 34. Greatly exaggerated. Louisville 34. Yeah, that, that's the proper way to end that meme. Phrase. Yes. Louisville 34, Virginia 17. Play um, the music, Joey. Joey, uh, play the music. What music? What? Oh, God. Oh, it's this again. Oh, no. This has got to get us demonetized on YouTube, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But anyways. Yeah. Um, not that we, not that we are monetizing. Louisville was was without Malik, Louisville was without Malik Cunningham in this game. Um, something named Brock Doman, Doman, I don't know, uh, was the quarterback. And they, uh, they sorry, we'll stop the music now. Brock, okay, because I was gonna get through that. Brock Doman, Doman, Doman. Something. <laughs> Do man. <laughs> they racked up 34 points on Virginia, and they won this game by 17. Uh, Virginia, by the way, got out to a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter, and you thought, oh, here we go. Here it, here it comes. And then Louisville goes on a 34-7 to run over the rest of the game to win this game comfortably. Um, Virginia, <laughs> speaking of Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award nominees, 
Virginia's offense in total, 25 carries for six yards. 25 carries for 18 feet of total offense, Mike. Like, yikes. Uh, Brennan Armstrong with a couple of interceptions. One of them in particular was pretty terrible. Um, Brock Duman somehow looked uh, looked competent in this game. I. I, I really thought Louisville was dead in the water by the end of the first quarter here with no Malik Cunningham and just the way things have been going. And for them to go out and just whip Virginia for three quarters to end this game is – it's a good sign that Louisville's not quitting, A. And B, it's like what is happening in Charlottesville right now? You 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 could have put the final nail in Scott Satterfield's Louisville coffin and uh, right. you got smoked. Yeah, Pete Thamel from ESPN put out the tweet during college game day that Cunningham was out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted, oh, Virginia is going to get Scott Satterfield fired today. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. I should have known better. Um, no, they're not. Like, UVA is the worst team in the ACC somehow. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, and that's 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 tough in a year where, like, Virginia Tech and Boston College are also playing in the same conference. Like, it's tough to win that award. I think they're the worst team in the ACC, Joey. I can't help but feel like they don't have to be, but they are. They're bad. I, I It's the offensive line. Like, the, we've talked about the issues they've had up front all year, but, like, the offensive line being a problem showed up yet again. Like, that reared its ugly head. I mean, you mentioned the rushing numbers are really, really bad. They really got to figure something out here. Um you know, I think, you know, some of the first year head coaches, you know, throughout the conference have kind of taken their lumps, right? Like mm-hmm. Brent Pry, obviously, and, you know, Elko's had a really nice start, but that's like not the greatest loss in the world to Georgia Tech yesterday, <laughs> interim head coach situation. It is not. So, I, I mean, Mario Cristobal, we've already covered plenty of ground there. So, like, uh, but like Tony Elliott, might be doing the worst job out of all of them. And, you know, Joey, you called this, like, months ago. Mm -hmm. And we saw the hires on the staff, and there were some questions there. And I know people are going to laugh at me because, you know, I'm a Virginia Tech alum, and I've been criticizing their coaching staff for the better part of the last six weeks. But it's worse in Charlottesville. Like, it's worse. And I... It's a low, again, a low bar to clear considering how some of these other teams have performed in the conference this year. I mean, Louisville, you know, offensively, you know, really was able to still kind of do what they do in this game. Like a couple bad turnovers by something named Brock Dooman. <laughs> but other than that, like I thought the offense performed pretty well. I mean, they were able to run the ball, you know, pretty well in this game. Um, had almost 200 yards on the ground as a team. Something named Brock Duman had nine carries for 71 yards and a touchdown here. Um, you know, Travion Cooley had another nice game on the ground, too. Just Virginia's kind of like they're not very good in the trenches on either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And neither is BC and neither is Virginia Tech. And all three teams are kind of finding themselves in that same situation where they're just not very competitive in games against teams that have decent team speed, which. I don't think anybody's going to argue like Louisville's got team speed. So there are issues there for sure with UVA moving forward. I I don't see how they make a bowl game. Let me ask you this. If Virginia still had Bronco Mendenhall and Robert and I in that staff, if they hadn't run them out on a rail and those guys were still in charge here in Charlottesville, they have currently have wins over Richmond and Old Dominion. They have losses at Illinois, at Syracuse, at Duke, and home against Louisville. They're two and four. What if they were? If they had Bronco, Anai, and everyone else, what would their record be right now? I'd say at worst three and three. I kind of agree. I'd say three at and worst three, or four three and three. And two. Three and three or four and two. I think they probably. And, and again, like some of those losses, I will say, like in UVA's defense, some of those losses are aging pretty fine, like wine, baby. Like Illinois, Duke's good. been Duke's been decent. Illinois is flat out good. Um, I mean, there there are some losses in there that aren't too bad. 
I think it sucks looking at that Illinois loss and realizing you were pretty uncompetitive. Like that's that's the thing. You might have lost that yeah. game, but you wouldn't have lost twenty four to three. Right. You might right, have lost twenty four seventeen or something like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, losing that game by three scores, and again, Illinois is good, but they like don't really have an offense. So the fact that you lost a game by that much to a team that can't really score on anybody else is really disheartening. Yep. I think they probably would have won this game too. By the way, for what it's worth. Oh, I, I think so too. They would have been able to put that final nail in this this coffin for uh, Scott Satterfield. I I will say this: as far as I'm aware, right now, Scott Satterfield is is still the head coach at Louisville. It would not shock me if tomorrow they still make that move. And if you're saying, well, they won the game, you know what? Once again, we know where this is going to end up at this point. Like, it's pretty clear he's going to get fired. You're going into the bye week right now. If you're going to make a change midseason, this is the time to do it. So I I would say over the next maybe 48 hours or so, keep keep your ears up. You know, keep an ear out for uh, news on this. And if he makes it past Tuesday of this week, all right. I guess you're you're sticking with it for another couple of weeks. Um, we'll see how it looks against Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, James Madison, Clemson, NC State, and Kentucky. By the way, Pitt is the only one of those teams that's not ranked this week. So, I mean, Louisville very unlikely to make a bowl game at this point. But, you know, we'll see. Virginia Tech fired Justin Fuente after a win. Yeah. I mean, again, so we all know what's going to happen. I don't know there's a lot of value to waiting another three weeks to do it. Just that's do what it. I'm saying. If you know what the outcome is, just do it. And especially in this day and age in college football, like you got to. Mm-hmm. You do. Louisville 34, Virginia 17. Last one, Mike. Wake Forest 45, Army 10. My goodness, this is a, a very different story than the game was last year when they played. The troops are down bad, Joey. The troops are down bad. They are, and I feel like Wake disrespected them a little bit with this scoreline. I'm just kidding. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, it was 38 to nothing uh, late in the third quarter before Army was able to actually get on the board in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So, um, I mean, really clean, good showing by Wake Forest. Not a whole lot more I could ask for from them. They ran for 221. They threw for 267 as a team. Mitch Griffiths got in through a touchdown pass. I mean, this was a solid performance by Wake Forest. Yeah, this is a walkthrough in a game that, again, last year was a back-and-forth shootout. It featured 126 points, the whole thing. And uh, to come away with, from this with a five-touchdown, easy cruising to a win kind of situation, that's really impressive. I think a really good coaching job by the Wake Forest staff. I mean, I, I put the game on for a few minutes in the second quarter. I saw it was already 14 nothing. Wake was driving again. I was like, okay, this thing's going how I expected. Army mm-hmm. couldn't move the ball at all. I'm like, I'm, I'm not watching this. Yep, yep. So, so, credit to the Deeks. I don't have a whole lot else here, Mike, unless you do. No. Good. Wake is good. Wake's good. Army's down bad. Yeah. Um, Wake is good. They they get Boston College at Louisville up next. They're probably going to be 7-1. and one. The and ACC is going to have multiple New Year's Six teams. Ooh, that's a take. I like it. I'm and is it the wrong one? I, I mean, I don't think it is. I think you're probably Clemson. Right. Clemson. I mean, Clemson. Right now, I'm not picking against them to get into a playoff. And then there's Wake Forest and NC State. They're two very competitive teams. Oh. North Carolina is five and one. Ooh. Continue. I remember something. I said yes. th- I said this on the solo show that if you if I don't know if you listened to it or not, but if if you didn't, I want you to start naming the best teams in the ACC. And I want you to tell me how many of those you're going to name before you get to a team in the Coastal Division. Oh, no. <laughs> Clemson. Start. Yeah, go. Number one. Clemson. Uh, Clemson. NC State. Two. Wake Forest. Three. Florida State. Four. Are you going to say Syracuse? No. Uh, no. Are you Car- sure? Uh, Who is Syracuse not better than in the Coastal Division? Who'd you take in a Syracuse Carolina game right now? Neutral field, probably Carolina. Honestly, yeah, right. So there it is. I trust yes, Carolina to so, score. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm saying, right? So, I think that's when maybe you say Carolina, maybe, um, and then Syracuse. Yeah, 
So, yeah, that's si- that sidelines. That sidelines Syracuse account's gonna be screaming at me tomorrow morning on the timeline <laughs> for doing this. By the way, <laughs> be screaming at me once again. Our customer service line at Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. Yeah, I know, I know. It's gonna be <laughs> calling me, calling me crazy. I mean, Syracuse won the bye week. Mm-hmm. They it beat did. something called Wagner last week. They'll be fine. It's a double bye. It's um, a double bye. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point or something to consider though. Is is that I think there is kind of a pretty good upper end of the ACC right now and I think it is kind of those four to five teams the problem is they all play each other there there's going to be some cannibalism there of, of teams beating each other but I I do feel like this is kind of the best that that top third of the ACC has been in a number of years it feels like you could end up with like uh and I don't think Florida State's a New Year's six team this year but you could end up with like 10 and 2 wake like 11 and 1 nc state 12 and 0 clemson that's like, that's on the, on the table that's on the table like it wake's got to play nc state yeah they're going to go to raleigh here in a few weeks and right neither one of those teams has to lose another game outside of that one right and it's a coin like that game's going to be a coin flip like that's going to be really entertaining yep sure will Wake 45, Army 10. Mike, you want to give out some awards? Let's do it. All right. Go ACC moment of the week was something that happened. So I referenced this earlier in the (laughs) NC State-Florida State game where NC State had a drive where they ran a play from the Florida State 13-yard line and uh, kicked a field goal. The thing was, that was the first play of the drive, and you might be thinking, well, NC State ran a kickoff back or a punt back or something to the 13. No, no, no. What had happened was, Mike... Florida State lines up for a punt. They snap the ball to the punter. There is a rusher coming in to block the punt. The punter wisely pulls the ball down, steps to the side, and starts running. And it's like fourth and 13, but my man has daylight. He has got it. He's got a first down and change if he wants it. And at punt, the last, baby. Punt. And at, yeah, and at the last second, my man's like, nope, this is not the assignment. The assignment was to kick the ball. Let's just do that. The problem was that he I'm just... Gonna- <laughs> He decided to I'm do gonna that be running wind sprints. Yeah, but the problem is he decided to do that about three yards past the line of scrimmage. That's an illegal kick. It is a five-yard penalty and a loss of down. So instead of punting or getting the first down, you just gave the ball away and and State got the ball in a short field and then lost 23 yards and then kicked a long field. Goal. So he, he remembers if he goes off schedule, like without the look, so to speak. Like the defense didn't give him the look, but he decided to run on his own. He knows he's going to have to run wind sprints. He was like, wait a minute. I don't... Do I want to get the first... I got to run wind sprints? I Punt. My man is over there psyching himself up to punt, listening to uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Talking about his one moment to capture, let it slip. Mom spaghetti, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a mom spaghetti situation. So go ACC to Florida State's punter. Uh, good stuff there. Mike, the uh, Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award of the week goes to your Virginia Tech Hokies defense. Yeah. Is he a band of Canada? 320 yards, six touchdowns. Um, Virginia Tech, you try to pride yourself on stopping the run, right? Like that's supposed to be a thing with Brent Pry. Supposed uh, to stop the run. They didn't do that. Like not even once. Not even a little bit. Yeah. When, when your defense goes out there and uh, 60 minutes later, they are finding themselves on the, the wrong end of, Stuff where, where you're doing stuff for the first time since guys like Tony Dorsett and Ricky Williams. Yes. Not a good yes, situation. Like college college football Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not great. So, uh, good job, Virginia Tech. You tried. And honorable mention, by the way, this shout out to my buddy Adam. The Georgia Tech Duke officiating crew, they got about 56 minutes into this game and decided, we have not been noticed nearly enough here. We're going to make this about us. There were some weird weird penalty calls with the game on the line really both in the fourth quarter and in overtime benefiting both teams what are we doing swallow the whistle you've been swallowing it the whole game just keep it keep it down the head official is like i like me some of me i'm just glad there wasn't a swallowing joke in there mike anyways kobe bryant memorial volume shooter the week award we can start with the miami run game uh, going for what was it? A uh, oh, I'll pull it up. Hang on, here it is. It's here. Oh, Parrish had 11 carries for 17 yards, I believe, right? 19 yards, sure. 
19 yards. Bad. Jalen Knighton good. and Thaddeus Franklin had seven carries for 21 yards. So the, the collective group had like 18 carries for like 37 yards, which is not great. The real winner is the UVA rushing attack. 25 carries for six yards. Big yikes. Not great. Yes, and honorable mention outside of the ACC, I don't know what he finished with, uh, <laughs> but Illinois backup quarterback Art Sitkowski was 10 of, at one point yesterday in Illinois' win over Iowa, 9-6. to six, Sitkowski was 10 of 15 for 16 yards at one point yesterday. Obscene. Backing up our old friend Tommy DeVito, by the way. Uh, here's the ACC time. <laughs> Go ACC to that. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. Team of the week. Oh God. Louisville. It's got. Are we Pittsburgh? Sure. <laughs> I, I I was feeling queasy and going to have to say Pittsburgh, but I I think I think Louisville, given the uh, given the situation with their coaching and. Everything else, I think it's got to be Louisville. We'll give it to one of those two. Yeah, sure. Sure, Louisville. Go Cards. We'll do that. Player of the Week. Is there one? Is he a band of Kanda? I mean, is he a band of Kanda? Is the Player of the Week. It's. I don't think there's any other candidate, really. He's the National Player of the Week. He's, that'll yeah. probably come out tomorrow. Yeah, so let's, let's not recreate the wheel here, Joey. Yeah, don't make it too complicated. That's right. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else on Week 6? We have any uh, Queen Elizabeth Memorial awards to give out? Anything? How did uh, how did her favorite knight Servassier Dennis do in that game against? Virginia he did Tech? have a sack. He did, he did have a sack on okay. uh, before halftime. Before halftime, um, Grant Wells took a pivotal sack that knocked Virginia Tech out of field goal range. Hmm. Hmm. So that was quarterbacks a work in progress. There you go. Yeah, that's that's putting it nicely. Uh, Buffalo thirty-eight, <laughs> the Bowling Green Falcons. Seven. So that's a casual thirty-one point loss. I bet that means Scott Leffler is back on the sidelines, and that's why they're getting. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. (laughs) Glad he's healthy, but you know, it's to his team's detriment. (laughs) It's it's not good for his team. That that sounded that sounded worse than I intended. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I just mean. When, when he's coaching, it doesn't go very well. That's, that's right. all I was implying there. I wasn't implying that he should die so his team should improve. That's what it sounded like. So I just want to get that in the clear. That's not what I meant. That's what happens. Mike, I'm going to clip that sound so it sounds like you're saying that exactly. So uh, <laughs> thank you for offering that in, in audio form. <laughs> Good. Excellent. We can work that into every preview and recap the rest of the way. Thankfully, nobody's listening to this anymore. Um all right, that's all I got in week six. The only, yeah, the only person still listening is uh, that guy Ariel Espinosa from BetUS. <laughs> the goat. If you know, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you know, nobody knows. Thankfully. Um, all right, Mike. That's all I got in week six. Uh, let's get out of here. You guys can go find us on Twitter. We're going to come back, by the way, and, and preview week seven. So week seven and week eight, if I'm not mistaken, are the two like breather like short weeks yeah so we only got four games week seven four more games week eight if i'm not mistaken pretty much everybody's got a bye week one of these two weeks Uh, but we will keep it keep it coming your way uh this is a good time to get caught up on listener emails and some of those things so if you've got content five games week eight by the way uh send them all our way longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it thank you um you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, we should be getting producer Scott back soon. He has been gallivanting yes. around Italy, and I believe we'll now be back to help produce videos on YouTube. Go search for Basketball Conference on YouTube and go find us because we, we don't have a, a dedicated URL yet, but if we get to 100 subscribers, we do get that, li- that luxury. So go. that's your homework. Go find us. Subscribe and like videos and such there you get to see our ugly mugs on there it's a, it's a nice benefit to you um you get to see if we get demonetized for using certain sound effects like the mickey mouse clubhouse that's that's a thing that happens it's fine we do it for you if that's what it comes down to we're going to keep playing the music maybe <laughs> there's no getting out of it now no uh mike we are on itunes we're on spotify all those good places you go find your podcast as well as youtube uh where else can they find us on social medias facebook 
Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find some of our podcasts there. Please do. Please do. We're on Instagram. Do it for the gram. We are. Go find us there. I just love the gram. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, Mike, that's all I got in week six. Anything else before we get out of here? Let's get out of here before I say something offensive. Way too late for that. Uh, okay. <laughs> you want to come recap week seven? Preview week seven? Yeah, preview week seven. We're ha- we're at the halfway point almost here. I mean, some teams are there, some teams aren't. It's, we're in that weird spot. Next next three weeks, we're kind of at that halfway point of the year, mm-hmm. getting the second half of the schedule. So yeah, we are. Um, yeah, this this is the really fun part where the real, the rubber really meets the road with conference play and uh, coach firings and big games and all those things. So uh, Bet- between here. now between now and the first week in November, you learn a lot about the state of college football. So mm-hmm. this is going to be fun. Next it, few weeks, it will be. Looking forward to it. Mike, have a good night. Get some rest. We will come back and preview week seven later this week. Sounds good. All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Yeah!